you know, we who do creative work and made this podcast, I think we've got to be able to settle into this is, this is what I made. And it is exactly what it was supposed to be. And we'll pretend that we did it on purpose, but really all we did was at, at some point decide, I guess this is what we do, you know, in the same way that YouTube is like, this is what came out and therefore we're gonna trust it. And, and I don't know what that is. And I don't know the point, like, I don't know when you do that with a creative work. I do know with books, you know, when I'm working on a book or working with a client on a book as a ghostwriter, um, there's a point at which we go, this is what this thing is going to be, right or wrong, good or bad. We're, we're past the point of no return. And if we try to make this into something else, we break it. We break what it is about to become. And so we either double down on the path that we've started on, or we go back to the drawing board. Welcome to Hey Creator, I'm Jeff Goins, and this is the mixtape for the creative class where we discover together what it is we're doing with our lives and with our art. And I suppose that that's a decent segue into this thing that we sort of accidentally, but at the same time, somewhat intentionally created. And maybe this is an opportunity to um, go, hey, what what was an accident that we want to repeat and, and now do on purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, like when Led Zeppelin was recording their fourth album, uh, they couldn't fit the drums into the room because it was in a house. They rented a house in Wales, I think it was. And they couldn't fit the drum set through the the doorway into like the living room or whatever. And so they, they kept the drum set out in the entryway, which had these kind of big vaulted ceilings because it was two-story house and you know the entryway went all the way up to the, the top floor and so john bonham's drum set sat in there and he played the drums in that room and they realized oh this creates this really cool natural reverb mm. so the song when the levee breaks you know yeah. has this like you know it's got this really big drum sound and it's just natural reverb because they couldn't fit it through the doorway <laughs> That's right awesome. but at a certain point they were like no, no, this is cool. Like, we're going to keep doing this. Do you know how, like, you get a bottle of wine and they they give you, like, a, you know, you give it, like, a sampler taste, right? Mm-hmm. I was at a restaurant and I was with a fancy friend and, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a wine connoisseur and he's, he's studying to get his um, sommelier certificate certification and i was like you know what would be a good wine and he recommended this 300 dollars bottle of wine and i was like <laughs> all right you know i thought he'd pick up the tab so whatever and he did not pick up the tab anyway uh we got this 300 dollars bottle of wine this you know cab uh this napa cab and you know like they, they bring it to me and smell it and sip it and i'm like cool and then another guy was there he goes what he goes does anybody ever send it back and the waiter was like no, no, that doesn't really happen, you know. And and so we were like, so is it just a formality? Um, he said the only reason you're doing that is in case like it, it, it somehow turned, it wasn't corked right, or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we'd we'd send it back, not because you didn't like it, but because it was not right. He goes, "This is a three hundred dollar bottle of wine." I go, "What? What? What if we send it back?" He said, "Well, I'd probably go get my manager, and he'd come out and talk to you." Anyway, mm-hmm. I got this bottle of wine, this thirty dollar bottle of wine yesterday. <laughs> which is probably the equivalent of a $300 bottle of wine at a restaurant with all the markups. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like a little musty. It's like a little like, has like a little like, and I smelled the cork and the cork has like a little like, you know, I don't know, moldy kind of <laughs> like smell mm. to it. The uh, the telltale sign, and you can always take it back to the, to the liquor store. Just put the cork uh-huh. back in it. If it's corked, the telltale sign is if it smells like cardboard. It just... The cork itself is like a little musty and it's wine, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 2018, I think. You know, it's it probably is turned. There's probably a little bit of mold in it. But bro, I spent $30 on this, you know? Uh, I'm going to finish mm-hmm. the bottle of wine. Whether <laughs> As long as it doesn't make you sick. <laughs> even if it makes me sick, I'm like, you know, it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Like, that's, what I, that's why I have an immune system. You're right with the marketing and the markup stuff. Like a, a wine seller, regardless of whether it's uh, retail or wholesale, they will take it back. 
no questions asked. But if I like tried it and it was and it was I didn't like it or it was wonky and I went back to a liquor store, they'd take it back. Yeah. Yeah. If you just yep, if you take it and say, This wine, this is turned, I'd like to get another or exchange it, they will honor that because that happens once in a while. You know, with wine, especially like old, like a like a real French Bordeaux that's like 10 years old, and it, it, mm-hmm. it tastes like shoe leather. And, oh, and yeah. like sometimes with wine, you're like, this is terrible, but I think it's supposed to be terrible. Like I think it's terrible <laughs> and I think the problem is me. Right. And, uh, yeah. Well, we're so used to like the new world, yeah. you know, that California yeah. stuff that's Bri- like just big punch in the sock you in yeah, the mouth. Yeah. Fruity. Fruity. But yeah, those old world wines, man, they are dry. Um, you're like dry. And, I don't think and, I put liquid in my mouth just now. It feels like sand, you know? Yeah. And they're great. Like, as you said, with a steak, um, obviously like one of the best things or, you know, like a really nice cheese or something like that, you know, and it, it seems like also, you know, those old world wines are, are meant to be appreciated by people who have be- far better taste than us. <laughs> what, yeah. Right. Uh, one, I mean, I, one of the things I'm realizing, especially those older wines, I mean, you have to decant them for hours. Like, like, yeah. uh, like, a, a Bordeaux needs to like 10 plus eight Breathe. to 10 years. Um, I mean, what's fun about that is you get it at a restaurant by the end of the meal, it's a different bottle of wine. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, it's fun, right? Though, like, I mean, you can, wine is not travel. Wine is not wine. Yeah. You can drink the world. Wine is not wine. Wine is vastly different. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of, uh, human beings oldest and greatest inventions. Yeah. I don't know. It's musty. I don't, I mean. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to pre- <laughs> pretend it was their intention. Well, I know we've talked about, we talked about this last season. Um, and th- by the way, this is a season one recap. Am that's, I wrong? What, that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're talking about season one. Well, let's let's recap, pretend but. that this was all intentional. And, and the question is how well is this content that we've created going to age? See? You see how yeah, you tied and, it in? And honestly, I think we could go back all the way back to uh, Sideways because that's a good segue into uh, something that we talked about kind of early on in the season. The movie. Sideways, the movie. Yeah. And of course, the character, this is a perfect time, Paul Giamatti's character. So good. Was a kind of a sommelier level snob, wine yeah. snob. And then his foil, of course, was Thomas Hayden Church, who we, ta- I remember, we talked about. I forgot that we talked about that, yeah. but I remember you yeah. knowing hit Thomas hated church's name. <laughs> well, I think I may have looked it up. No, it just, sounded, I sounded yeah, smarter than I really so am. Smart, so cosmopolitan. Yeah. I think you can tell a lot about somebody's personality by how they talk about wine and, um, but also how, you know, how they appreciate it or treat it. And they're like, like someone who goes out to a restaurant and buys a $300 bottle of wine, but lets you pick up. Kind of <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, I aspire to be a snob at a lot of things and, and fail at most of them, <laughs> which some may find endearing, but I mostly find frustrating. You know, there's that's uh, <laughs> I I would like there's that there's that old interview with Bono that I saw forever ago and cannot find the source. You know, and it's so anecdotal; it might be apocryphal, but it's a good story, and so I'm I'm gonna pretend it's true, which I think it is because I think I saw it, but. Uh, somebody was interviewing Bono and they were asking, how did you get that U2 sound? You know, like it's a unique sound. It's a sound that many groups have since copied, you know, the, the cold plays and, and whatnot of the world. And he said, you know, all we were trying to do was copy these other guys, you know, all these big bands in the eighties. <laughs> right. So like hair bands yeah. and stuff, right. That are just shredding and doing all this stuff. And he said, you know, we weren't good enough to do that. And so this is what came out. And I think that's a great perspective on the creative process, on finding your voice, right? And, and uh, I think that's what we did with Hey Creator with season one is we were trying to do a bunch of different things, copying podcasts that we admired, at least. I mean, that that, that was the whole experiment for me is we're, we're talking about this thing while cre- we're creating it, being inspired by other people and, and trying our damnedest to copy somebody else's craft. And this is what came out. Well, I think I think we were ta- actually talking about that in the, uh, you know, we kind of kicked it off with like on remix culture and, and mixtapes and whatnot. But, you know, that kind of ties into uh, 
the Bono story because you know, if U2 was trying to sound like the sh- you know the shreddy bands of the '80s and ended up sounding like U2, you know that's obviously like a process of iteration. You know where you get to a certain point where you start to sound like yourself because you've copied enough times. I, I'd be interested to know honestly who they were listening to, but I'm guessing it probably wasn't like Scorpion right, or. No. Yeah, it was you know prob- some of the cheesier hair right. bands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like who's who's a big deal? You're if you're U two, you know who's a big deal to you? Uh, you've got the Beatles. You probably have Zeppelin. You know, you've got who made a big splash in the seventies that you'd you'd still be thinking about and and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think in that documentary with the Edge and Jack White and the guitarist for Led Zeppelin, what is his name? Jimmy Plant. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Plant. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Plant. <laughs> Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Robert Plant. Jimmy Page. Page Plant. Um, no, it might get loud. They talk about that, and I do remember the Edge going. I wasn't that good at guitar, and so this is what I could do. I could play a few little licks and turn the delay way up. Yeah, I think um, every. You do have to copy to create, and there is this moment of realization where you go, oh, this is what it's supposed to sound like, so now I'm going to double down on that sound. You two clearly doubled down on the sound of Joshua Tree and, and went, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And I think finding one's voice is the same thing as trusting your palate and going, this is a $300 bottle of wine, and it's not my jam. Yeah. Like you learn to just know what you like. And um, I think for me, so much of my experience in the creative process is like, do you like this? Do you like this? Am I doing it right? You know, everybody says this is good wine. I, I had this experience not long ago where I, I I bought like a really, you know, nice hundred plus dollar bottle of Bordeaux or something. And I was like, not my jam. Maybe I'm doing it. My first instinct was maybe I'm doing this wrong and, and fair, you know, like again, those wines need to be decanted for a couple of hours sometimes. And any actual wine snob listening to this is like, well, but you know, you're, you know, here's what you're missing. I admit that I don't know what I don't know, but there has to come a point with anything that requires subjective taste, you know, like, like, uh, an opinion that, that is not, cannot be objectively measured, you know, how good is this bottle of wine? It's as good as, as it is to you. There has to come a point, if you don't want to go crazy, where you kind of settle into, this is my jam, this is my style, this is the way, this is the stuff that I like, and this is how I make things. I had a sense of what I thought a perfect season would look like, and we did not create that thing, thankfully, because I could have held us to a standard of um, what I thought this was supposed to be, and we would have missed a bunch of really beautiful moments. You know, um, I could have just stuck to the thirty-minute, mostly kind of monologue-y thing, and and that would have been fine. But I think it would have gotten boring. I, I like that we tried different. Um, I mean, a couple episodes in, we just talked about doing different formats and there were lots of ideas that, that were left on the cutting room floor. You know, that's how it goes. 100%. It was, I'm thinking about David White and what he calls the conversational nature of reality and the conversational, conversational nature of reality means that in a conversation, if you and I are in a conversation, what I want to happen is not going to happen. And what you want to happen is not going to happen. And the conversation is, is what actually happens. Meaning if I go, I'm going to tell him this, right? And, and we start a conversation, which has happened already. You've got, you've got a thing that you're trying to get us through, which is great. You know, I appreciate that. You've got a little outline here. It's good structure. <laughs> uh, I didn't, didn't ask you for that. You brought it anyway. It's awesome. And, um, and what I want to happen, which is, you know, uh, like some sort of clear debriefing process that didn't happen either. Something else happened, you know, and that's, that's the U2 thing. Here's what came out. This is, you were trying this thing. I was trying this thing. And then this is what came out when we loosely designed the structure of this show. And I will readily admit that half of the things we did on purpose, the other half, we were just kind of seeing what happened and then you did a really good job of, of editing it to make it look like we did it on purpose. And that was, that was 
I don't know. That was a fun dance for me. <laughs> but you. I did like the idea that we had essentially a trailer. I'd never done that before. I liked that there was a trailer to the season. Yeah. And then, you know, we did a season that was half planned and half, oh, we're going to do this now and this will be fun. And, and, and I like that. I like the mystery of creation and going in with an intention and being surprised by what you find. I mean, every great story I think is actually uh, a story of somebody who wants something and is willing to overcome conflict to get what they want and then is somehow transformed in the process. And so if that's true, what happened for me with Hey Creator was I started with this vision of we're going to have a bunch of short episodes, right? First episode is like 30 minutes long. And then they got longer and longer and I got a little bit insecure and self-conscious is probably a better word than insecure where I was just mm -hmm. aware of what I was doing and how it could be better. And maybe it should be more pragmatic or practical and let's talk about money and let's, do, ah, you know, is this going anywhere? Do people like this? All that. And then it ended with a poem. And, and so I like that because, you know, what does that mean to me? Um, you know, we had done some other poems and creative things um, throughout the show here and there throughout the season, but the I'm not here poem was actually a poem that I wrote after a friend came to see me after I, I'd gone through a bunch of personal and professional change, some of which was tumultuous. It made sense to end the season with that because a friend came to me and said, hey, I wanted to see if you were still you. And, you know, I, I wrote this poem to essentially say, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not who you thought I was. I'm not who I thought I was. I am who I am right now. And, and the season um, explored those ideas. You know, here I am post-divorce, post-big life changes, a lot of my personal convictions about life and the universe and what it's all about have evolved. And, and so what does that mean in terms of, you know, creative work and, and how do those things sort of inform each other? Um, and we were exploring those things in, in real time. And so, I don't know, it just felt fun to end with a poem about me actually not being here anymore, but there is something here. It's just not what you necessarily expected. And I think um, you, you always go into a creative project with like an intent, like I hope somebody gets this. And of course, people get all kinds of other things that you didn't intend and that's fun. Um, and it's really nice when, when, I, when the thing that I felt when I made the thing it is also something that resonates with somebody else. You know, there's a hand, reading some of the reviews and stuff. There was a handful of folks that I felt like, I don't know, got it, got, got the mm -hmm. thing that I was putting out into the world. And if you got something else, you know, that's cool too. It's like, I don't know, I'll drink a glass of wine with somebody and be like, oh, I taste black currant. I'm like, what the hell is black currant? You know, I've never had a black currant. <laughs> I haven't eaten a black currant. I don't even know what I, what, what are you do, talking do, about? Do you grow <laughs> black currants, you know? Uh, and somebody's like, well, Earl Grey tea. I was like, okay, I know what that smells like. You know, let's, let's get real. You know, I taste donuts. Why? Cause I ate a donut this morning and I'm still tasting it. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool to see that, that, that poem was so popular. And then that is the interesting. The next two most popular were uh, our first two episodes, which just yeah. which makes sense because people start at the beginning. Sure. And then, uh, you know, you were talking about transformation. Of course, um, you get into the art of recreation, and then we then we did that fun mixtape. I had a lot of fun making the mixtape. Um, that was a fun episode. That was tape. That was technically probably our best episode. Like from a technical, I don't know. I mean, that they're all fun, but I, I like the technical components of that. You, your work as a producer showed up there, I think. Thank you. Yeah, so it was nice to see our work kind of pay off in that respect. And then, uh, yeah, honestly, the money thing was was very popular yeah. because, you know, you said you're kind of throwing stuff at the wall to see if it stick. I mean, it would stick, and that definitely was right up there, honestly, um, with the first two episodes. So that was kind of... Kind of cool. Um, what was your favorite episode? I really had a lot of fun making the day at the museum, and I know it seemed uh, like yeah, yeah. it was something that that was going to be it was, a throw it was throwaway. Like, it was like, yeah, it was like a little like it was a bonus. But you sent me this tape, and I was like, I got to do something with this, and I got a chance. You let me run with it, and uh, honestly, it felt like 
to me, like the most honest thing because, you know, it was really you recorded solo on that one. It just seemed like a very raw moment and and I wanted to kind of honor it with some sound design. I appreciate you saying that because my experience of that moment was as I sort of recap the story in my own mind, I was like, this is profound. Like just in terms of the experience, my grandma dies, I fly up to Chicago. There was all kinds of, you know, weird family dynamics, people I hadn't seen in years. Dude, I I went up to my cousin. I grew up with this man. Hmm. I went up to my cousin and I said, I said, hey, it's good to see you. He goes, who are you? And I hadn't seen him in many years, but like, you've known me a while. Uh, I have looked the same, you know, with the exception of the beard, right? I have looked the same for 20 years. Like I, I just look the way I look like I, I'm, my hairline is sort of starting to recede, but you know, I I remember I I went to college. People thought I was like 16 years old, you know, I've just always looked (laughs) younger than I am. My dad's the same way. Uh, So I've always kind of looked the same. Uh, you know, gained a little bit of weight, lost a little bit of weight, always just been kind of a youngish looking redheaded dude. And it's like, I walk up to my cousin and he goes, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, who are you? Wow. And I go, oh, it's me, Jeff. Anyway. Um, was he then, kind of, was he taken aback or do you think it was a slight or do you like, wait, like, he was, he was genuinely confused. He was like, I, I, you know, and I mean, well, he's probably going through something too, but. Yeah, you never know what, I mean, there's layers to everything. And it was just fascinating. I was just like, oh, hey, it's me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then, um, you know, Chantel was with me. And, um, you know, we went through all of that. And I had kind of my layers of feelings. Um, You know, what's weird about a funeral, right, is uh, what's weird about a funeral for me, I won't project this on anybody. What's weird for a funeral about me is I have all these expectations of how I'm supposed to feel. And then if I feel a little bit numb or something, I'm like, oh, I should, you know, I didn't cry. It wasn't a particularly emotional experience for me. Um, and it was, it was fine. It was, was, it was what it was. And then we go to this art museum and, and that was like a transcendent moment, you know, and I'm carrying all this stuff without being fully aware of what I'm carrying. A- anyway, it's, I'm glad to hear you say that because I felt a thing and I didn't feel like I adequately communicated the profundity of the thing, if you will. Like this is this is a moment. Like while it was happening, I was like, something is happening here that I'm going to want to capture in some way, and I don't know how, but it deserves to be captured. So I'm I'm grateful to hear that it resonated with you, and 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 I liked all the sound effects and, and you know engineering and production that you did around it because you gave voice to a thing that I felt that I didn't quite know how to say. And, and that's, um, that's an important part of the creative process is being able to translate uh, a feeling into some, you know, like something that people can experience, a song, a book, a poem, whatever. Um, so yeah. that's, been, that's been the most fun part for me about, about this uh, project is, is the dance that you and I have had. I've never had a, a producer like this where um, y- you're an active participant in the thing that we're creating and uh, you're not just, I'm not just like dictating, right? I'm just going, here's what we're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect, but that was a lot of fun for me. And I felt like you got where I wanted to go more than I knew where I wanted to go sometimes. My favorite episode <laughs> was the one that we never recorded, which was like <laughs> an hour of us drinking beers on a Friday night. Just, <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. talking about death and God and yeah. life and what it was all about. I was like, damn it, we shouldn't, we should have hit record. I it, know, was like a, it was like an hour. And, and, and you get real fun and philosophical two beers in, two, two high gravity beers in on a Friday evening. You're like, Hey man, it's a weekend. <laughs> I'm like, let's chat. And, and then you're, but it's funny because I totally remember that because I've got the tape of the actual podcast that we recorded right. and then us starting to wax philosophical yeah. is, is right. is like, it starts to get interesting. And then it's right where I hit stop on the recording. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we just started chatting. We just went. It, yeah. it got real honest and it was like totally. Um it was, it was cool. Yeah, but we'll do that. We'll do that episode some someday. I mean, we will never do that episode is, is the thing, right? Yeah. Like it will never be, you know, it'll never, it'll never be. It was, and it won't be again. That's interesting. And, um, and, and we could try and, and, and we might try and it'll end up being, being something else. If we try really hard, it won't be good at all. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a dream, you know, you have a dream and you wake up and, and you, I'm going to remember that dream. If you don't like write it down immediately, it kind of fades. Totally. But it, but you have this like really real dream that you swear, like it, it must have happened. And, yeah. and then as you kind of enter another zone of consciousness, you just kind of forget the dream, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that the creative process is a bit like that, where you're constantly having dreams and if you don't capture them with some sort of um, artifact, and even that is not the thing, it's an artifact, you know? It's like uh, the Tenacious D, this isn't the greatest song in the world, it's just a tribute, right? Because <laughs> we we played the greatest song in the world that day and, and we'll never play it again. Because uh, every performance, this is the thing that we've gone into a bit, you know, philosophy of art, like every, every recording of the thing is not the thing it's just um it's a version of that thing mm, yeah i love that i did really like the favorite one that we actually recorded was the discipline of disappearing for me mm-hmm. um because that was that was the one where it was like the three of us then the two of us then me on a stage by itself and that was the thing where i was like yeah. did you get it i wanted you to get it we put a lot of thought into this <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was so cool because, I mean, that idea, and like, you should go back and listen to it if if you forgot. Mm-hmm. What happens is, yeah, that it's like a cacophony of voices, and then slowly but surely, it's just Jeff on a stage talking, talking to maybe an empty, empty auditorium, yeah. and then walks out and shuts the light up. I didn't. I didn't know. Um, how I wanted the show to go. On one hand, I, I thought I want it clean, I want it monologue-y, right? So we experimented experimented with some of those those um, episodes. Date Museum is an example of that. The outro is an example of that. And when I would go back and listen to them, I would they, they those episodes worked. But you know, we did a couple things where I, I kind of did a one off monologue thing, and it felt a little stilted at times. It hmm. felt a little lifeless. And so one of the surprising lessons that I learned was I felt like the best content usually came out in conversation. Yeah. And and then editing around that, you know, so it wasn't some two to three hour long epic rambling of ideas. You know, we <laughs> you know, we got it in an hour or so. And and I liked that. I liked taking the mess of a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts and then wrapping some structure around it. It felt like jazz, you know, there's, there's a structure here, but you don't quite know what it is. It doesn't exactly go where you think it's going to go, but it's not, it's not absolute anarchy and it's not so clean and polished that it feels boring. No, for sure. I'm curious. I'm curious what that was like for you. I mean, mostly I'm curious what it was like for you. Cause I know what it was like for me. Well, yeah, it was it was absolutely interesting because I think at times some of my, um, you know, as the color guy over here, uh-huh. um, adding insight and levity at times, I felt like it might derail you, but it absolutely didn't. It actually kind of f- fed into your thought process, which I, it was it was amazing to me that you could always bring it back to. Um, something very relevant to the point or the content or the, you know, and then get, get back to that kind of denouement each time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, again, as you said, it was kind of like jazz. It kind of had that, at, at times, that improvisational feel too, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and I was going to say that the, the, that, that final most popular episode, the top five, um, was Am I Really Retiring? Kind of our, kind of our final farewell before mm-hmm. the farewell but um which makes a lot of sense and uh mm-hmm. it was like your rising of the phoenix or something like that you know from a personal level like for the end of a 
from a personal standpoint for the end of a season of a podcast was really apropos. I don't know how you felt about it, but it seemed, uh, seemed pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I think how you start something and how you end something is, is really what people remember. And so, uh, the season itself was clean to me in the sense that we started with a lot of intention. We didn't know exactly, exact. we didn't know exactly where we were going to go. Um, uh, but, but I had a, a fairly clear idea of where we might end up sort of, I mean, that, that that's kind <laughs> of, I, I knew we would end somewhere, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> And to I put knew it that very I, succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that I wanted a contained ending. I wanted a contained season. And 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 there was sort of this messy middle of exploring different kinds of 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 episode concepts. And looking back, I thought this was the beginning of something new. And the truth is that the first season was really the end of something old. Hmm. And and it was a farewell. I mean, I said goodbye to my grandmother. Uh, I said goodbye to 10 years worth of work. I said goodbye to a relationship. And, and it took a season to actually like walk out the door. Hmm. And, and maybe that's true. You know, and I have said before that everything ends before you think it does. And I think that's true. And goodbyes take longer than you want them to. At least sometimes, you know, he's got to throw sometimes in there. So, you know, it was sort of like a long goodbye. Um, And uh, I remember when I was playing music in Taiwan, Hmm. uh, this is back in 2005, um, year after college. And um, we would play all these like cafes and stuff. We played at an all girls school. We played at a shopping mall a couple of times, played uh, outdoors a number of times, but there was this one guy that we kept bumping into this older Chinese fellow who, I don't know, fifties, maybe 60, um, felt old at the time for sure. <laughs> Didn't have all of his teeth. And, and he kept, we kept bumping into him at these different shows. And, um, and then on the last day that, uh, our band was in Taiwan, we were just outside of Taipei in a city called Dan Shui. We were saying goodbye to all these, uh, people that, that we'd met that month. And we went out to breakfast and we said goodbye and hugged each other. And then we went out to lunch and we said goodbye and hugged each other. And then we like bumped into him on the street and they were like, Oh, you know, we say goodbye and we hugged each other. And it was a lot of melodrama, you know? And I was like, all right, w- w- goodbye, you know? And then I bumped into this guy, like it, uh, last 30 minutes before we were taking the bus, you know, to the airport, I bumped in this guy that, that had been to like all of our shows and was this older guy, and um, and I was used to like these like melodramatic, emotional goodbyes. And you know, we're a Christian band playing all these coffee shops in, in Taiwan. Um, you know, we're here, we're on a mission from God, kind of thing. And I bump into this guy, and uh, I go, just total happenstance. Like I'm, I'm out of the city market doing one last walk through Dan Shui to smell the stinky tofu. And which wafts through the streets. If you've never been to, you know, Southeast Asia, it's just, it's smell. Well, why is it called stinky tofu? Because it smells like shit. It smells like feet. Uh, and I bump into this guy and he goes, oh, hey, he goes, what's going on? And I said, oh, we're, we're leaving today. He goes, oh, you're leaving. I go, yeah, yeah, we're, we're headed back to the States. We're headed back home. And he goes, well, see you in heaven. And he just turned around and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful who you're unkind to, because you will eventually meet those people again. Mm. And as crazy as that is, I have found that to be mostly true in my life, which is swearing off that a-hole or like person I'm just like, I am like, I am done with that person. I'll be standing in line at Kroger or something and I'll be like, John, you know? Um, it is insane mm-hmm. to me how small the world actually ends up being and how all the people you have wronged and who have wronged you 
And I appreciate if you ever, if you've listened to any Anthony Hopkins interviews lately, uh, you know, past 10 years, he, he almost always says, I'm an old sinner, you know, Uh, (laughs) I've been hurt and I've hurt people and, and you've got to forgive yourself. Uh, but he calls himself an old sinner, uh, Mm -hmm. recovering alcoholic, all, all this stuff. But like that's somebody who's lived some life, right? I've been the villain. I've been the victim once or twice. I've been a hero. Like, welcome to life. It's it's not clean. And you've hurt some people and you've been hurt some people and you've misunderstood some things and you've been misunderstood. And, you know, that that's your own experience. But try to treat everyone as if this isn't the last time you're going to stand in line with them or go through something difficult or uh, sit in traffic behind that person. Act as if you're going to bump into them later in life because you just might. And in my experience, it's almost guaranteed. Like all the people I'm like, I've never seen that person again. I don't care what happens. <clears throat> I've had a rec- I've I've had a reckoning with 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 that <laughs> assumption. And I mean, I just think it's, you know, it's it's the universe's way of keeping us honest and and good uh or as good as we can be. And so, um I don't know. I think there's something to creation there, you know, the creative process, like the stuff you make is going to come back to you at some point. So make stuff you're proud of and that feels good and right and true, at least in the moment that you create it and, and don't try to do it perfectly. Um, but, but do it with a level of gravitas that says this is going to be out there for a while. And, and so we're actually creating our own archives all the time. I think that's lovely, you know, I, and I think it's wonderful to kind of look back on, you know, this season and go, what do we like? What do we not like? What worked? What, what didn't work? Um, it's a good debrief for me because the thing that I, it's true of a lot of creative works in my experience, which is like, I felt like we were kind of like fumbling and making it up as we went along and you look back and you go, no, that kind of worked, you know, that, that, that worked more often than it did not, you know, and the things that felt chaotic, you know, now kind of, um, come across as endearing or, um, hmm. I don't know, unique. Is it, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I love all that. And just to add, I, I, you know, you had asked me what were some of my favorite parts of, about making the show. And I think honestly, like some of my favorite creative work was putting together those walls of voices, you know, when we would oh, have yeah. listeners send a, a voicemail and just kind of turning those into a pastiche or like a collage of voices. And those are some of my favorites. Um, but in truth, um, I thought that uh, there was this fantastic, a nice review that we got, a nice five-star review we got on, on Apple uh-huh. uh, Podcasts, which I will uh, encourage listeners to leave us a review. If you, if you like the show or even if you didn't like the show, just go leave us a, sh- a review. All of your uh, input is valuable to us for the following season but um yeah dwight left us a five-star <laughs> review i can't really I, I mean i would say his full username but i think it got cut off i don't know it's um, i googled it i didn't know what to, <laughs> this is a reference to uh, an episode of the office oh okay cool perfect dwight you ignorant sl is 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 his name <laughs> which is awesome. shorthand for dwight you ignorant slut <laughs> that's what and, i thought yeah and here's the I appreciate things with layers, you know? Yeah. And and what's funny about this is this is um is the most thoughtful review that I think we've gotten thus far. Uh or, or at least you know, it's 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 very thoughtful. And, and the name is Dwight Ignorant Slut. And here's the <laughs> here's the scene, which was is like mental health day, safety training in I think season one or two of the office, safety yeah. training. And Michael is on the roof and Dwight is below with a bullhorn. And this is like a, a, it's a, it's a dramatized, you know, scene, uh, where that, where Michael is trying to communicate the seriousness of (laughs) mental health. And of course he's doing it in a, um, uh, terribly ignorant and misapplied way as is the way of Michael Scott. So Michael Scott, my life. Oh, my life. Dwight Schrute. Michael, what's wrong? Michael Scott, everything's wrong. The stress of my modern office has caused me to go into a depression. Dwight Schrute, depression? Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Michael (laughs) Scott, 
Dwight, you ignorant slut. Depression is a very serious illness. I just love the the random reference to a you know a, a beeline in an office episode. Anyway, back to Dwight, you ignorant slut. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to read it. Yeah, it was just titled "Buckle Up," and I thought it was really nice. Uh, I listened to two and a half episodes of the podcast, and then I quit my job. I mean, that kind of sums up the yeah. <laughs> review. Bam, really slam nice. dunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short review. The long one is this. Jeff's a creative on a constant journey of discovering himself and what brings him joy. His stories all speak directly to what I've wrestled with as a writer. Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I belong? Listening to these issues is like sitting in a coffee shop, chatting with a friend, that friend who unapologetically dives into a complex soul-searching conversation. Or maybe it's like comedians in cars getting coffee. Thanks, Dwight. I don't know. It depends on the day and whether I'm in the car. My point is shut up, buckle in, listen up, because Hey Creator is about to take you for a ride. Boom. I love that. He got Mike it. Trump. Yeah, Mike Trump. This is actually quite funny. You know, maybe it's like comedians in cars getting coffee. I don't know. Depends on the day and whether I'm in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take clever. it. We'll take it, right? It's funny. That's it's pretty clever. cool. Yeah. I mean, what's cool about that show, you know, the Seinfeld uh, show, uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, is it seems to be kind of offhanded and and there's um, there's something sophisticated happening, you know? Very, so, yeah. It's the classic trope of uh, there's something else going on under the surface. Uh, I've heard it said that almost every great story has an undercurrent of things are not what they seem, right? Like you start Lord of the Rings, you're in the Shire, everything's great, but like things are not what they seem. Something is about to happen, right? And, and that's the truth of life, which is something is about to happen because something is always about to happen, right? That's, that's life until it's over, something is happening. And creativity, art is the process of pulling out a moment and, and creating a, an icon, an image, an artifact of that moment as an expression of, we don't know what's going to happen yet. And, and like a good bottle of wine, this is probably not for everyone, but hopefully it's for someone. And um, I love that. I mean, you know, Dwight sniffed what we were trying to put out there and, and, and that we were sort of sniffing along with him and everybody else, which is, what is this thing? I don't know, but it's something. You know, there's a line in a, a great book that I read earlier this year uh, by a guy named Boyd Vardy, and the book is The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. And Boyd is an actual lion tracker who, you know, grew up in this national preserve in South Africa. Um, and his job was to track lions, you know, track various game, you know, for safari tours and I think sometimes hunters. Um, there's a bunch of great lines in that book. Uh, one paraphrase, losing the path is part of the path, right? Like getting off the track is, is part of tracking. And that is the way. Losing the way is the way. And But, but the great line in the book is, um, and he repeats it a couple of times, and I think he kind of slam, he ends it with this, which is, um, I don't know where I'm going, but I know how to get there. That's it. Which is great. And I, I think often the opposite is true for me, which is I know exactly where I'm going and I have no idea how to get there. <laughs> right? I have a vision of, of where I think this thing is headed. And I know that if I just put one foot in front of the other, we'll get there. And there will not be what I thought it was. But that's that's how any journey begins with some sort of intention, some sort of vision of success or a better life, um, or, uh, resolution. And then by the end of it, something surprising has happened. If you're lucky, you accomplish what you set out to achieve, right? You, you beat Apollo Creed, you destroy the ring and Sauron and, and all evil, you know, uh, you, you defeat the bad guy and, and go home and, you know, kiss your kids or whatever. And if, if that's all that happens, it's a boring story. If all you do is get what you want, eh, it's not true because we know that life is full of surprises and frustrations. And we don't want to be told that this is all meaningless and, and, um, 
and there's nothing, right? We, we, like that's not particularly inspiring. Hmm. Um, and we also don't want to be sold a prepackaged bill of goods that has every answer to every question we could ever imagine. We want the freedom and trust, I think, to try lots of different things and learn as we go and to somehow get the thing that we thought we wanted but be surprised and be transformed in the process of, of getting it, right? And, and, and that's why so many stories are you get the thing and then you don't want it anymore uh, or, you know, the, the, the nerdy high school guy is going after the pretty girl and then he realizes, you know, the girl next door was the one he loved all along or whatever. You know, there's always some like, oh, that's what this was about. And I, I love that about life and I love – that about thoughtful creation when artists are doing this, they're, they're putting, you know, little Easter eggs in the work because that's what life is like. Life is full of Easter eggs. Life is full of these surprises that mean different things to different people. Yeah. Interesting. So let's talk about what's next. I, I do have a question before that, which is what surprised you about this process? Like, I mean, is this is this normal? Is this normally how podcasts go for you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think all of it was a, a pleasant surprise, and I think you're you mentioning Easter eggs actually is really interesting because it's something I wrote down um, because there's a lot of those. Uh, if you go back and you listen to season one, you're gonna. I think actually it takes on a different meaning each e like each listen. Like so. So I went as I was going back and listening to episodes and trying to come up with um, ideas for this episode. I was like, "Wow, th there's a lot of things. That, you know, there's there's these themes, there's these kind of uh, uh, undercurrents and Easter eggs that I forgot about that we kind of put in there and that come up mm -hmm. over and over. And a lot of them, have, you know, a lot of them are references to artists and writers and mm -hmm. musicians, especially. But you know, I mean, you could you could." you know, plant a seed and just be like, Hey, tr try to pick out all the Beatles references in, in some of Jeff's, uh, rants or, you know, <laughs> the, Bo the Bob Dylan, there's a whole Bob Dylan, uh, undercurrent that started to come out to me. And I was like, Oh, wow. You, yeah, you talk about Bob Dylan a lot, <laughs> you, you know, knowingly or not, I don't know, but right, it was really right, interesting. Right, right. Um, he obviously had kind of a profound effect on you. Anytime I'm talking about something, it's cause it's what I'm into right now. Did anything else surprise you? I love that. I haven't gone back and listened to them all, but I, I like that challenge. Yeah, like like you said, just kind of like this un unexpected outcome of this. Like really, no, I'm I'm, I'm proud of what we what we did, and and I, I thought it all kind of gelled really nicely. And I'm I'm proud to say that we we, we made this really great f first season, and and it's it's very it's varied. And I was trying to explain to somebody today. I was, I was like, so what you know what's it like? And it's like ah, it just it's very, it changes. It's, it's kind of like a chameleon from episode to episode. I liked it. I, I'm proud of it too. I think it stands alone, almost like a record. And I'd like to do another season if you'll have me, if you'll keep me on. <laughs> I if do. You'll, if you'll re-enlist. <laughs> do I get signed for another season? Isn't that interesting about podcasting? I mean, like some of the shows that we love get canceled. Yeah. And, and the story that could have been never was. And in the world of podcasting and content creation, you know, we are experiencing the democratization of content. And, you know, for all the things that one could say about, I don't know, Facebook and platforming people with with misinformation and uninformed ideas and and prejudices and all kinds of things. I mean, obviously the internet can be a cesspool for idiocy and ignorance and hate. You know, I mean, it just of course, right? And and there's also incredible genius out there that we have access to incredible arts and just amazing stuff because somebody decided to hit record, you know, or take a picture or write a thing and, and press publish. And so it's amazing is, you know, we are the gatekeepers for our own work getting out into the world. And, and I, I, I take that as a personal challenge because I've been sitting on a book idea on a book proposal on an outline for a book that I wanted to write for four years. Mm. Um, and the only person holding me back is, is me. Yeah. Um, so I think we should sign us for a new season is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk to our agents. <laughs> and, I'll, uh, I'll send you the paperwork. Get them in a room. People look at it. We'll redline it. It'll take a couple of days of mediation, but we'll figure it out. 
I think part of it's cool to think of it like a record, you know, because every record you go into the studio, you've got an idea of what you want to create, depending on on the band, but typically you have some sort of idea, and you've got a producer, you've got a particular sound that you're trying to go after, and every record sounds different. Yeah, and and there's often a theme or a concept, and then surprises happen along the way, you know, and, and I'd love to do that again. One hundred percent. One thing I'd like to hear, I mean, so we've got, um, let's say we've got a, about a month before we press record again. Um, I'd love to hear from the audience. Like, I'd love to hear from those who listen to it. What did you like? What did you not like? What do you want more of? Uh, I'm not saying that we'll do any of that, but it'd be good to know. <laughs> you know, I mean, what because did you that's, hate? <laughs> we'll that's do more of that. That's the conversation, right? Like, and if I go, oh, this is what Kelton liked, I will only do what Kelton likes. No. That's boring. That's boring to no, me, it's and boring. it's boring to you. But but I want to I wanna be informed. I want to go, oh, he really liked that. Yeah, let's do more of that, like, voice layering. That was cool. Yeah. So so it's like, I, I want to know what you liked. I want to know what I liked. I want to know what the audience liked. You know, we, we might bring in some other voices again. Why, and, you and, ignorant slut. Dwight, you ignorant slur. Just slur. Oh, slur. Sorry. Yeah. Comma. Dwight, we're going to bring Dwight on here. Cause, cause I hope so. He, she, I they hear get it. He, she, yeah. they story. I mean, how do you address, what is the, what is the, the gender uh, qualifier for a sentence? For a, for a, for a, uh, not even right. a sentence. It's a, it's a fragment. You know, I don't know. I don't want to gender that inappropriate. Like, it is a name. I mean, maybe, maybe Dwight's last name is you ignorant slur. Slur. Which is, which is really, really an interesting coincidence <laughs> that it correlates with an office episode <laughs> and, a, and a line on the office episode. It's very strange. But the universe is weird, man. It just, is. It's weird. It was truly a pleasure, Mr. Goins. <laughs> Likewise. What if I called you Mr. Goins throughout the- For an entire season, but don't explain season. it. Yeah. <laughs> And I accent, and I and I just call you the wrong name for an entire season. I call you Kel- <laughs> Kelly. And, yeah. That was my name growing up. Kelly, really? And you yeah. go, you know, that's not my name. You know, J- Jason. You know, for whatever reason, I just Jason, and you just let it go for an entire season. In the last episode, you're just like, that's not my name, and I'm like, no, I know. And that's the end of this season. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Goins. You're welcome, Jason. <laughs> <I know. laughs>